All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, for your anointing on the words today. And we thank you, Father, that uh, we're going to learn about your ways. We're going to learn about um, your kingdom. And I thank you, Father, for the word of God to just minister to people's hearts and stir them up unto your great calling. In Jesus' mighty name. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Mm, we're going to title this one. Being led by God. That's good. Being led by God. And I can already foresee this being longer than today. So, uh, <clears throat> man. A new direction. You know, when we be led, when we're, we're being led by God, there's multiple times in the scripture where God leads a man to do something totally different than what he's doing right now. You know? And uh, it's funny. We're talking about this. A new direction, man. Being led by God. Sometimes everybody's going to think you're crazy. Let's give some examples of people who have completely been led by God to do something totally different. You've got someone like Noah, for instance. Everybody probably thought he was crazy when he was telling everybody, hey, it's going to rain. We're going to build a boat. Okay? We'll build a big old boat. Apparently, there was no rain at that time, so everybody really thought he was nuts. You can say the water's going to fall from heaven, from the sky. Everybody thought he was crazy. We're going to build a big old boat and put everybody on it because y'all are all going to die. You know? But people can't get on this boat just animals. <laughs> uh... One of the letters of Peter says that Noah was actually a herald of righteousness, which means he was a preacher. Okay, once again, that story is not in our Bible, but it's something they understood. Something that the the writers of the New Testament understood that Noah was a preacher. He wasn't just he didn't just build a boat, become a hermit, and say only me and my family end of the world. Apparently, he was a herald of righteousness. He preached righteousness, and no one would repent. Okay, or if they did repent, they died before the judgment, which was in the flood. But um, my point is this: that he was a herald of righteousness. He was a preacher. God called him to preach, and he preached righteousness. And then when the world did not listen, uh, the flood came, and he got on a boat with his family. You have somebody like Abraham, okay, who God told pick your family up and move, just leave. Where you're at. Just completely go. <laughs> oh. Out of all your comfort, I'm going to take you to a new land. And he gave him promises and he followed him. You know? Uh, I'm kind of going in the order of the creation from the beginning to the to Jesus. Let's just go with Jesus, you know, till Jesus or Paul. So, you know, after Abraham, you have Isaac and then Jacob and, you know, and then you have Joseph. God gave him a dream, you know, and told him that people were going to bow down to him. And he saw it in his dream, but I think it was bigger. All he saw was, see, I think that Joseph was a little bit immature in some of the way he handled his dream and his visions. 
you know, he told the people, you're all going to bow down to me, which I think might have been a little bit prideful or maybe maybe not not mature, I should say. Not necessarily prideful because it's not prideful to embrace what God's told you. Yeah. It's not prideful to embrace what God's told you. However, it may be um, lack of wisdom sometimes depending on who you tell. See what I'm saying? You may not want to tell the people. Don't put, don't, the scripture says don't cast your pearl before swine. Sometimes if you go and tell somebody... It's not going to appreciate what you're saying. They may try to kill you. You know. So here's Joseph trying to tell his dream, and they tried to kill him. He said, "Listen, you intended for to kill me, but God intended to save many lives." See, what Joseph didn't even see was that this dream he had from God was actually going to save many lives. It wasn't about Joseph being bowed down to. It wasn't about Joseph being in charge and about his mom and dad bowing down to him or his, or his brothers bowing down to him. That was not what it was about. God knew he was going to have to put him into a place of authority where people would bow down to him so he could save many lives. Why? Because great influence comes responsibility and authority. But really... You have to become a servant of all. So Joseph, while he was in charge, he actually served everyone. He, he saved many lives. So his dream, caught, and then his telling his dream caused him to go down a totally different route. But he knew the will of God, and he stayed faithful no matter where he was, even though he was in the pit. All right, so then after Joseph, you know, you have um, different people who, who, who were called. Um, you get Samuel. There's a bunch of different people. Okay, Gideon. Gideon was a good one. This guy had a real hard problem trusting God, but he wanted to test the spirit that was coming to him and speaking to him. So he he wanted to make sure it was from God, you know. Um, and then God told him, "I'm going to use you to save my people Israel." So he said, "Okay, I'll you know I'll do what you say." And then it gets out there, and he starts to to make a difference and become you know in command and whatnot. And next thing you know, God's telling them, hey, uh, your army's too big for me to win. You're going to have to dwindle down your army. So I think it has, I might have my numbers wrong, but I think it was 10,000 coming against 20,000. And it was not good odds anyway. Well, then he says, you're too great for me to, to win. So he cuts down a ton of people, you know, like thousands of people. Like there's not even 2,000 people left or something like that. I'm getting my numbers wrong. Just do your own homework. But then the final number, though, was like 300 people. Coming against, I don't know, 10 to 20,000. <laughs> I might be wrong. I can look at see real quick. I'm not going to look it up. I know, I know that they were 300 with Gideon. 300 and thousands with the other, okay? That's all I know. Just do your own homework. I, I got tons of other one, scriptures to go through. Even today. if it was 1,000, that's more than, you know, three times yeah, over the head. You know? It was a lot. A ton of people. Okay? But basically, God said, we're going to cut down your army, and I'm going to make... I'm going to erase that number just in case I'm wrong. don't want to be heretic, you know? My point is, little people versus lots of people. <laughs> you know? And God spoke to Gideon and says, I'm going to use you, you know, to save my people. So Gideon had to trust the Lord and jump out in faith Especially when he started hearing God to do crazy stuff. You know, that's funny, you know, when we put God under the test, God puts us under the test. Yeah. Gideon's like, I don't know if it's really you. And God's like, well, 
since you tested me, I'll test you. <laughs> since you want the rod of miracles. <laughs> That's cool. All right, so Gideon. All right, then Samuel. Um, you know, he was called by God. He comes after Gideon. He was called by God when he was a kid, you know. And he didn't even recognize the voice of the Lord, which is so interesting because Samuel probably heard God more accurately than any other prophet recorded. If you study, um, you know, there's different types of prophets. You had Elijah that was like a power prophet, you know. And then you had um, Isaiah, which was like a, um, a future prophet, you know. And then you have Samuel, which was a, I could tell you what you were thinking in your, I could tell you what you were doing, you know, back back in the in the closet. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're doing. I can tell how many fleas are on your head. You know, Samuel was like, words of knowledge. Yeah, he had the word of knowledge going on. He was like, your your donkeys are down there. You know, already rescued, and don't worry about that, Saul. Um, you know, the guy who walks up the hill, he's gonna be king. You know, this is the way Saul uh, Samuel was like. He could see awesome stuff. But he was, my point is though, this man of God who could hear God so accurately, okay, and obviously there's different levels of hearing God, right? Some people can hear God more accurately than others. That's encouraging, you know? That's encouraging because that means that we can, we can grow. Like, it doesn't mean, see, this is cool. Samuel could hear God really, really accurately. You know, Gideon was questioning it. Um, Joseph saw visions and dreams. Moses, it says that Moses, um, in the book of Numbers, which we haven't got to him yet. Yeah, no, we did. I skipped him. Moses. I meant to get to Moses here. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, or verse 6 through 8. Here, let's look at that real quick. Let's read it to you. Number six, uh, 12, verse uh, 6 says, And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? All right, so this is Moses. God is speaking to Moses, like, mouth to mouth, you know, and that's cool. You know, so you see um, there's different levels of hearing God. Different people can hear God differently. Elijah says that he heard him in a still, small voice. Okay? Samuel, he heard him, and he thought he was—he thought he was Eli. You know, next thing you know, he's hearing God so accurately, he's talking where donkeys are. You know, uh, Moses hears God. But what, what is it after? After David, uh, Nathan. Nathan became a prophet later. He was speaking to David. You know, and he would—he would say he was after Samuel. Um, all right, so <clears throat> being led by God, you can hear uh, the Scripture says that Abraham was a prophet. And he, he was led by God to leave home. Then God told him, you're going to have a son. Then God said, kill your son. Then God said, don't kill your son. <laughs> then God prophesied to him and said, your people will be a sojourner in a land not your own for 430 years and they'll become slaves. And then I'll deliver them back into this land. So God prophesied to Abraham my point is, I'm trying to show you that a lot of times these people that were led by God, it was always contradictory to the norm. Okay, um, Samuel had to go to Eli and tell Eli that he was going to die and all of his sons. Basically, Samuel took over the priesthood when Eli was dead. Samuel had to tell his own father figure this news. That's pretty hard. 
He was afraid. And Eli said, don't be afraid. You tell me what God told you. This is the first time that Eli, the first time Samuel ever heard anything from God. He was a little boy, you know, gets woken up. Samuel, what is up? Goes and runs, finding him. Yes, master, you told me. You called me. I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Goes back in there. Samuel, huh? Eli, what'd you, what'd you need? I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Samuel, Eli, what? No, he goes. Then he perceived that he heard hearing from God. Hey, next time just say, yes, it is I, Lord. It's to God speaking to you. So he goes back to sleep, wakes up again, Samuel. And then Samuel says, yes, Lord, what can I do? I've called you as a prophet, you know? And then he goes, um, I'm going to um, destroy Eli and his family because of his son's wickedness. And the priesthood is going to be taken away from him. This is Samuel living in Eli's house, you know? So Samuel wakes up the next morning and Eli says, so what did God tell you? Samuel's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know? Eli's like, you better tell me what he did, what he said, or the same thing is going to happen to you. So Samuel said, okay. So Samuel told Eli everything that happened. Of course, Eli said, well, be it according to the, the word of the Lord. And Eli submitted to it and just took it. You know? And he raised Samuel up in the way of God. And then Samuel grew. Now, what's interesting about that, you know, you got to be careful about who you're learning from. Because if you don't notice later, Samuel's sons also were not serving the Lord. Mm. Sorry, that was a side note. We need to we need to keep track of what, what how our, our our generation like. It's not just ourselves. We need to be thinking about our kids. We think about the next generation. Always be setting up for success. If I if I all of a sudden drop off the face of the planet, will what I'm doing continue? You know, because it's not all about me. It's about the Lord working through people. So if I can teach people how to hear God on their own, you know, and stay true to the vision of what we're doing, you know, then that's, that's how we can keep, keep going. All right. So that's Samuel. Then, uh, Nathan, of course, he has to go do hard things. He has to go approach the king and say, King, you're screwing up. You know, uh, he tells a parable or, or about, um, uh, a rubber ducky. No, I'm playing. That's what you tell. <laughs> no, <laughs> No, he tells a parable about the sheep, you know. <laughs> you ever watch a VeggieTales version of Nathan and David? Huh. <laughs> well, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so he, he, uh, David sleeps with Uriah's wife, uh, Bathsheba, you know. And have y'all ever thought that was weird? Her Bathsheba was taking a bath. Bath, Sheba, Sheba bathing. Boo. Sorry, I just thought that was. Nobody's ever said that in church. I've, I just always thought it was interesting. She be, she be bathing. She be bathing. She be bathing. Bath of Sheba. Sheba bathing. <laughs> bath of Sheba. Sheba bathing. All right, anyway. So, David sleeps with this girl. You know, he sees her taking a bath and being naked, so he gets, you know, uh, you know, enticed by his temptation, and he falls to prey to his lusts and has sexual relations with this woman, and she gets pregnant, you know, and so next thing you know, uh, they're worried. What if the husband finds out, you know, and so they call him back for more. Uriah's off at war. Uriah comes back home. He's like, how you been doing? Now, what you don't know is Uriah is actually one of David's mighty men. He's one of the top 30 guys. He's one of David's closest friends. That's really... Ouch. 
Uh, that's really awful. So Uriah comes in and they're talking and he's like, man, go home, see your wife. Next day he finds out he was sleeping outside on the front porch. Like, what the heck? You know, what are you doing? I can't go into my wife and, you know, make love to her when all my friends are out to war. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, you could David, if David had any heart at all, you know, he was just like, <laughs> you know, that's where David was supposed to be. Yeah. David like, was supposed to be at war. So he gets him drunk. He still didn't go in in the house, and so he sends him uh, a letter. He sent he puts the writer to a letter for the commanders of the army with the sent with uh, Uriah's death sentence, basically, and hands it to Uriah, <laughs> sealed. And Uriah, you know, isn't nosy enough to read the letter. He just takes it straight to his commander. And then when he gets to the commander, he hands it to the commander. The commander tells everybody to go up there. He put Uriah on the front lines, and whenever y'all go to battle, everybody step back. Make sure Uriah dies. Pretty bad. So Uriah dies in battle, and this is uh, David, you know, basically having Uriah die so he could marry Bathsheba, and so this baby could be legitimate. Well, Nathan comes in and prophesies and starts telling a story about how this guy, you know, had, um, you know, all this wealth, and, uh, you know, he took another man's possessions, you know, to feed his, to feed his, uh, to feed his, the, the, the stranger coming in the house instead of taken from his own wealth he took from a poor man's wealth and uh so david gets all upset who is this man he needs to die he goes this man is you so could you imagine being nathan coming to the king and telling the king you're doing wrong you know and being led by god to be able to stand up for justice and stand up for righteousness even if it might mean you may be killed now david was a good man he was a man after god's own heart he was obviously not a good man you know, he was a good man, but he wasn't a good man. You know, he did wrong things. You hearts. know? Huh? He had two hearts. Yeah, he had uh, conflicting wills. And he was double-minded, you know? But, obviously, he was a man after God's own heart, or he wouldn't have repented. And he listened to the man of God. You know what I mean? All right. So then, after that, you get... Uh, skip through some people. Um, there's a ton of people. Awesome testimonies of prophets and stuff that... Heard God. Oh, I gotta find this one. Check this out. First uh, Kings chapter thirteen. This is an interesting story. I just figured I'd share it with you. I like to throw in odd scriptures people don't ever read about, you know. First Kings chapter thirteen. Check this out. And then behold so we're talking about the importance of following God and hearing his voice and then obeying. When you hear God do say something, obey it. There's a lot of danger if you veer off what you hear him say. You know, we never know what can happen if we if we um, there's a reasons why God tells us to, to do the right, to do certain things, because you never know what could happen, you know? Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to be to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings, and the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. All right, this is an awful test, awful prophecy. Definitely not something in the New Testament people would want to hear, but it's definitely a prophetic word. So, um, check this out. 
uh, what happened was Jeroboam was a wicked king. And he said, y'all are all doing the wrong stuff. And one of these days, there's going to be a king after you. And his name is Josiah. And Josiah is going to kill all these wicked people on that altar. Yeah. It's pretty bad. All right. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. Then the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel. Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, seize him. And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up. <laughs> Woo! So that he could not draw it back to himself. And the altar also was torn down. And the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now favor of the Lord your God. Pray for me. He just tried to get this guy arrested. So he's like, get him. You know, he's like, pray to God and fix my arm, right? And so, sorry. <laughs> and pray for me that my hand may be restored. And the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, if you give me half your house, I will not go in with you and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. Don't come back the way you came and don't eat with anybody there. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. All right. This prophet obviously was powerful. Right? All right. Check this out, though. He disobeyed the Lord. Watch this. Now, an old prophet lived in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? And his sons showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted, and he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. This is another prophet. Lying to this other prophet. All right. Check this out. Remember, everybody is responsible for their own actions. Remember this. You're responsible for your own actions. If you listen to an evil man or listen to a man who's corrupted, you will still have to suffer the consequence for not doing what you knew to do right. Okay? You are responsible for hearing God on your own. Check this out. This is powerful. This is why I don't like to tell other people, oh, well, you're called to be a part of this ministry or something like that. Why? Because each man is called on his own. He has to hear God for himself. You know? Yeah. Now, I may be a witness with you, but if I tell you something, you're still responsible to hear God on your own. And if I try to manipulate you and say, well, you're called to be a part of this ministry, then it's wrong. You know what I mean? Each person is supposed to hear God on their own. And this is the reason why, right here. Okay? But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, 
but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. Behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road, and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which was, has torn him and killed him, according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. And he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road, and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of, of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against, alt against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses and places, high places that are on the city of Samaria, shall surely come to pass. And after this thing, Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil ways, and so on and so forth, right? So, sorry, that was a downer story. But my point is... We are called, when, when we hear God, we got to hear God, okay? And we have to obey Him. And if we heard God on a specific thing, and we don't, we just cry out for mercy, that's what we got to do, you know? When we, when we hear God, and, and then, we, it's not a matter of whether or not you ever hear God. You're going to hear God. You have to be obedient. Check this out. Um, all right, so that's some examples there. And the New Testament is... You know, Jesus would come around and he calls disciples and it says they would immediately drop their nets and follow him. Okay? Why? Because they recognize the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. Okay? So, being led by God, a new direction. Okay? Uh, we're talking about this. So, go to Ecclesiastes chapter... <clears throat> I don't know. Chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter... Uh, chapter 12 verse 13 we're talking about hearing God we're talking about um, being led by God and and is it possible to know God's will and so uh, numbers uh, I mean Ecclesiastes 12 13 says the end of the matter all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments fear God and keep his commandments all right for this is the whole duty of men. Alright, so when people say, well, you can't hear God anymore. This is the problem. It's such a bad lie. You are called to keep his commandments. Whatever he tells you to do, you obey him. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of men. Your whole purpose in life is to hear God and obey. <laughs> For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Okay? So this is important. Fear God and keep his commandments. The whole duty of men. Everything's wrapped up in this. It's important that we know God's will. Okay? And it's important that we obey God's will. You know, a lot of people say, well, the purpose of, of men is to bring glory to God. Okay? Okay, but biblically, what brings glory to God? Listen, the scripture says the heavens declare his majesty. Okay? It's... He doesn't need a person to bring to sing praises to him. Does that make sense? 
Because the heavens declare. What is it that declares his glory? It's the fact that they are what he said they are. Yeah. He created them. Look. He created them, and something gives God glory when it is being what it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. What the design is. Okay? You know, there's that battle between Chevy and Ford, right? There was like, Ford is found on road dead, right? <laughs> My point is, fix, you know, fix or repair daily, right? So, it's a little joke they do against Ford. Um, I own a Ford. I don't care about Fords, really. I mean, it's not a big deal to me. But my point is that there's this constant battle between the two. And the reason why is because they're both American companies, and they're trying to, you know, they're just joking around. But the point is, you want your vehicle to bring a good name on the company. So if you have a bad product, then it doesn't, it brings reproach on the company. See? So when God created the world, he created, see, the thing is, people think that God is, for some reason, they're like, well, God's here for us. And that's not true. See, you are a created being with a purpose and a design. And you're never going to be happy until you're doing what God wants you to do. And you're never going to be an amount to anything worth anything until you be what God has called you to be. Okay? And so the only thing in creation that has, that has come against the will of God and his design is mankind. The heavens declare his majesty. Why? Because they are being what God told them to be. <clears throat> men don't necessarily bring glory to God because they're not being what he called them to be. They've been living a lie. And James talks about if you don't, if you're a hearer of the word but you're not a doer, then you deceive yourself. What you're doing is you're living a lie. See, the truth isn't what you're experiencing. The truth is what God says about you. The truth is not... See, if the, if the truth can make you free, that means that you can be in bondage and still not be the truth. good stuff you can be in bondage but that not be the truth it's your reality it's what you're experiencing but it's not the truth and that too will pass away and you with it mm-hmm. see if you mm-hmm. make sense see the truth isn't so much about what you're experiencing the truth is what God says and whether we're going to submit to his will or not because if we don't submit to his will and to the truth then all lies will pass away why because they can't stand Lies don't last. Make sense? So if we choose to live a lie, it doesn't last. If we choose to live in the truth, we'll be made free. Make sense? So how do you do that? You've got to know, you've got to keep his commands and fear the Lord. How do you do this? You've got to hear him. You have to hear God. Instead of the devil. This is what happened with Adam and Eve. They heard the devil kept his commands and his suggestions and violated the command of the Lord, okay? And so they fell out of truth. Does that make sense? They fell out of sight of truth. It's not about just being alive and singing, you know? Check this out. Go to John chapter 17, verse 4. It says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do. So Jesus defines uh, bringing glory to God. We bring glory to God by obeying his commands. 
I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. See, God called Jesus for a purpose. He gave him a design. So whenever Jesus fulfilled that purpose, he, 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 not, only, um, ful- he not only lived a life of fulfillment, but he actually... See, check that out. What does that mean? People say this all the time in the world. Well, I just don't have a fulfilling life. You don't even know what you're saying. You're talking about fulfilling what? Fulfilling your calling. Listen, you're calling. That infers that there's an outside source calling you. <laughs> People say it all the time and they have no clue what they're saying. It's a verbiage that they said, but they don't even understand and grasp this idea. You know? It's all about the word. Check this out. It's all about the word. Everything begins with a word. Let there be light. God created all things with the word. So when we talk about being fulfilled, well, I'm fulfilled when I do this. I feel I'm fulfilled. You're fulfilling what? Fulfilling your design, your purpose. Fulfill your calling. This is my calling. Calling for how do you how do you get called without somebody speaking to you? <laughs> you know? There's something on the outside that is determining this thing that you don't even know about yourself yet. You're trying you're on a path of self-discovery. Why? Because nobody knows who they who they are. Look, how can people, oh well, I'm trying to discover myself. Discover yourself. Aren't you yourself? Why don't you know anything about yourself? Because you didn't design yourself. And you're having to find the one who gives you your purpose. Yeah. You're trying to find the one who says, this is who you are. We're always on a, on a self-discovery journey. Finding my, I'm trying to find myself. You're right, Dad. <laughs> the reason why is because they, they are lost. Yeah. They don't even know what they're saying. They don't realize what they're saying. They're lost. It's so crazy. Even the lost people are using this verbiage. Check this out. When you take a, when you take the uh, the DNA strands with your chromosomes and everything like that, they'll talk to they'll, they'll actually talk about how if you take your DNA and you unstrand it, right? It says, see in this little strand right here, there's some instruction. Well, this 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 little DNA strand instructs your eyes to be brown. This little instruction tells your nose to be long. This instruction tells your ears to be attached or have attached earlobes or detached, you know, earlobes. This instruction tells your skin to be black or brown or, or white or, or whatever, you know? But the scientists can't get away from the verbiage instruction. Like, what the heck? Right? Instruction. Who, who is instructing? Who's telling the body to be that way? There was a design inside the DNA strand. A design. It's a computer program. Somebody input the HTML into your DNA. The HTML popped up on the screen and said, blue's over here and swirlies are over here. And the words appear here and they're bold right here, but they're little bitty right here with italicis. Your whole life is in HTML. Somebody wrote in the code into your life and told you what to be. Isn't that cool? Your very core of your identity, your whole identity is not determined by you. 
It's determined by the encoder. It's determined by the one inputting the design. And even scientists can't get away from the terminology. Instruction, Instru instructing somebody, there's an instructor. If there's instruction, there's an instructor. <laughs> if there's programming, then there's a programmer, you know? Yeah. So this is your body. So your body has a design, but your three parts, your body, soul, and spirit. So now you gotta go into your brain. Why do you think the way you think? There's a designer for that too. He created that. Now, sometimes we think the way we think because of our environment. But for the most part, it's not even, it's not that. There's, there's certain personality traits you would have no matter what, innately. And you were designed with those personality traits, you know. Innate, inborn, is born inside of you. It was put into you. This is why God says, I knew you were in your mother's womb and I needed you in the secret place. I formed you for a purpose. God has created you for a purpose. And it's our design, it's our duty to fear God and to keep his commandments. Why? Because it's who you are. It's a matter of your very identity. It's not a matter of, well, this is what you're supposed to do. It's, it's your identity. Keep his commandments. Be who you're supposed to be. Think about this. So many people find their identity in their jobs. Why is it so easy to find our identity in my job? I'm a mechanic, you know? I just labeled myself when I said I'm a mechanic. The reason why people identify with their job is because God has designed you for a purpose. And so when we find a job, we immediately say, well, this is who I am. I'm a repairman or I'm a dishwasher or I'm a busboy or I'm a cook or I'm a framer or I'm a roofer. Or I'm a computer engineer. Everybody, they identify with their, with their job. Why? Because God has created us with a desire to identify with work. God has created us with a desire to identify with work. This is why when people don't work, they lose purpose. You lose purpose. God created you with purpose he created you to work in the, in the garden god created man and he put him in the garden to work it and that was before there was a curse that was before he sinned you were created to work before there was a curse work is not the curse work is part of your destiny god created adam and he put him in the garden to work it and so he worked the garden and this was part of his purpose he was a gardener so good abel was a shepherd you know and so we have these purposes. But God has created these purposes in our life. But they're usually smaller purposes for a bigger purpose. Even Moses was a shepherd before he shepherded the people of God. You see? A lot of these things are training us in different areas. So we can become who we really are. See, God has created us to be fixers. Fixers of relationships. Fixers of the world. You know? We're maintenance people. You know? Everything in our life is all about building and cultivating. Planting. Everything in your whole life can be defined by planting and cultivating. Beginning and tending. Starting and maintaining. Tending. 
See? This is our whole life. What are you in your life? Did y'all do Authentic Manhood yesterday? Mm -hmm. That's funny. Did y'all go over this lesson? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is this? What did he? What was the, the terminology there? Planning and cultivating, or yeah, planning and creating. creating and cultivating. There we go. You're called to create and cultivate. That's funny. I just realized y'all did that lesson yesterday. Yeah, we did. Wait, don't surprise me. Creating and cultivating. <laughs> This is the whole duty of men, to create and cultivate. It's good stuff. But you got to hear God. Okay, what am I supposed? So, so we're defined by what we do. Now, now you're not really defined by that job itself. There's a deeper definition inside of you that God has called you to be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we will tend to gravitate towards an area that we are fit for because God designed us that way. It's like a square. Peg goes into a square hole. It, you know, it'll just it, it might it'll go over all the other holes until it finds a square one and it'll lock in, right? So that's what happens in our life. Um, we are designed with a purpose, and so we'll feel our way through until finally, oh, I fit there. You know why? But but see, that was the thing is you fit there because it was already destined for you to be there. Yeah. You know, it's not like you. you does that make sense? So we're trying to find ourselves, but we should find ourselves in Him first. Then He will give us our purpose. And he'll, it will just have to be led by the Holy Spirit, you see? Then the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. You know? Why? And there's different parts about us. You know, as a husband, I am a provider, right? So I, God called me to be a minister, be a pastor or a preacher or whatever, you know, to start ministries. And so, but when I first got married, God told me, I want you to go get a job. Don't apply for any, any job, any ministry stuff. I want you to be discipled more. So what I do, I go got a job. I went and got a job, you know, and in each place, you know, I would gravitate towards my calling, you know, somehow, you know, I would do something in that environment that fit my real calling, you know, whether I'm talking to people and ministering to them while I'm fixing their phones or, you know what I'm saying? But my point is, um, in each place that I was working, I was still like, you know, still being what God called me to do. But number one, there's another part of me as a husband and a father. I was a provider, you see? So I was going to do whatever it took to provide, you know? Whether it was, even if it was a job I didn't want to be in, you know? All right. But we're not defined by, oh, well, I'm a pizza slinger. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm a provider. See, there's deeper purposes that sometimes will excuse your immediate, you know, well, I really wanted to, you know, be a drywall installer. But the only job that was available was... You know, frying deep was a deep fryer over at, you know, Long John Silver's, right? Well, since my first purpose as a husband and father is to provide, I'll go get the job that doesn't fit my calling. Why? Because I have a deeper calling, which is to be a provider and father and husband. You see? So there's these priorities of purposes. Mm, that's good. Priorities of purposes. Priorities of purposes. Priorities of purposes. Each priority helps define my purpose. And then we slowly start to fit into our certain callings that make us flourish even better. You know? We're called to that design. Okay. Sorry. Being led by God. New direction. Okay. So, number one, I always tell people, man, you always begin where you're at right now. Don't try to run off and do something. Begin where you're at right now. 
and wait for the Lord to say, okay, I'm going to lead you over here, you know? But you be faithful where you are right now. And then God will sometimes lead you somewhere else, you know? <clears throat> Psalm 103, verse 7, talks about Moses again. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel, okay? So, um, a lot of times, um, we can be, right? Check this out. We can be a bystander or we can be right in the middle of it, you know? The question is, what are you going to be? Are you going to be a bystander of God's work? Or are you going to be involved in God's work? I'll write this down. Are you going to be a bystander? In God's work? Or are you going to be a participant? <clears throat> um, this is right here. He made, his known, his, made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. And then I read earlier about Numbers chapter 12, verse, thir uh, verse 3. Uh, or actually in verse 3. Uh, starting verse 2 it says, And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. So we're talking about meekness here. We're talking about meekness here. Um, being humble. Check this out. Are we going to be a bystander in God's work or a participant? What? You know, Jesus says this. Many are called... But few are chosen. That's a little confusing. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Listen, well, are we going to be a bystander? Or are we going to be a participant? So it says right here in Psalm 103, it says that he made known his ways to Moses, but he made his acts, he showed his acts towards, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So the Israel did not know his ways. They just saw what God was doing. But he, they, God was doing it through Moses. So Moses was a participant, and the people of Israel were bystanders. Okay? They witnessed what God was doing, but they didn't get to be involved. See what I'm saying? So this is a sad day, you know? Um, we need to be participants, even if it kills us, you know? Not a bystander. So what what is it that's different about Moses and the people of Israel? Right here it says that he was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Meekness is a, is a difference between Moses and the people of God. So this is a key to being, if you want to know the ways of God, okay, we don't, and we don't want to be a bystander, but we want to be a participant. A lot of people will say this in the church. They'll say, well, not everybody can know the will of God. Or you can't hear God's voice. You know what you are? You're being prideful. And you don't read your Bible. You know? You're being prideful and you're not, you're, and, and, and you're not being humble. Check this out. If I say, well, I can't hear from God, that means that you really don't want to take responsibility. Because if you read your Bible, you'll notice that every person in, in there that made a difference heard God. Every single person. 
you know? And why would he do it for... See, a lot of people that say, well, that died away. You can't hear God no more. You're talking about 4,000 years of history. And if the scripture says that God doesn't change, then why is he going to do something, do it differently now? And the scripture is very clear. My sheep, watch this. My sheep hear my voice. Where are we at here? John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. <coughs> he will glorify me, <clears throat> for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's good stuff. Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 9, it says right here, uh-oh, making known, it says right here, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So we already know that the underlying will of God is Christ. And for us to be unified in him. Okay? So, if we can study the will of God, there's there's some very broad wills of God. Okay? We can know the will of God very broadly. If what you're doing doesn't line up with these certain purposes, then you're definitely not doing the will of God. If it's not furthering the kingdom of God... then what you're doing is not in the will of God. If it's not mercy and compassion, then it's not in the will of God. If it's not loving your neighbor, then it's not in the will of God. You see, there's a lot of things in the scripture that declare the will of God. And we have to make sure that what we do exemplifies those wills. I would like to describe it as when you build a house, the hammer builds the house, but not alone. There's all these other different tools. And each tool has its own purpose. Its own individual purpose. But the great purpose is to build the house. So if I don't know the vision, then I don't know how to appropriate it. You see what I'm saying? I have to know the final vision so I can actually apply my skills and my talents in certain areas. Then as I discover who I am, oh, I'm a hammer. I'm going to drive in a nail. Well, I tried driving in that screw with a hammer, but that didn't work. See? So that's why we discover ourselves. All we're saying is that we're a hammer that doesn't know it's a hammer. That's When we say, I'm trying to discover myself, or I'm trying to find my identity, what you're saying is, I'm a hammer, but I don't know it yet, and I'm still trying to screw in screws when I'm a hammer. It doesn't work very well. And until I finally, bam, hit the hammer on the nail, I'm like, oh, I found my purpose. You see? That's all it is. But the only way you can figure out who you are is if you submit. You have to take life out of your own hands and submit to the carpenter. Take your, you are a tool and you'll never, if you try, try to drive in, a ha in, drive in nails and screws on your own and you're not submitted to the carpenter, 
letting him will use you in the way he sees fit. You'll never fulfill your purpose either. Okay? So, submission is key to finding purpose. You see? What are you going to submit to if you can't hear the Word of God? See? You have to hear His voice in order to be able to submit. You also have to believe you can hear His voice before you can begin to submit. If you don't believe you can hear His voice, then how are you ever going to hear His voice? Um, let's see here. First John chapter 3. Alright, so uh, we, were, we were doing here... Um, Talking about our purposes, and, and even this kind of goes back to some of our prayer stuff. This is right here, um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. All right, check this out. So we got to submit. If we can't hear His voice, how can we submit? Okay? This is right here, and whatever we ask, we receive Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. So this sounds like a conditional prayer, like... You don't get your prayers answered unless if you keep his commandments and do what pleases him. That's what it says right here. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Yeah. Just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So there's only two commandments that you have to uphold that lead to a life of fulfillment of the design he created you to be because you're going to get if you do this part you'll get commandments that he'll tell you but it'll be easy for you because it's who you are it's who, what you created what he created you to be you see it makes sense it's like to, people say well i don't know if i can follow are you a hammer can you drive in nails do you know who you are because when he says you're gonna you're gonna just gonna submit it's not a matter of well i don't know if i can do it no you're submitting you can't do it you can't do it you have to have him driving the nail, using you to drive the nail in. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you realize he's behind it all, then it's easy. I'm not trying to drive a nail in by myself. I'm just submitting to what he's telling me to do. And it comes easy and natural for me because it's what he created me to be. You know, I might be scared. Why? Because everybody's scared of the truth. You know? I might be scared to do what he told me to do. That's just because we're, it's new for us to submit. So we keep his commandments. The commandment is to believe in the name of, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just two commandments. Easy. The righteous shall live by faith. Okay? And the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Why? Because a righteous man believes in Jesus. And if he believes in Jesus, he will love his neighbor. Make sense? It's really easy. I'll start deleting some of these uh, deal here. <clears throat> Let's see here. I think that might be everything. So my point is, um, <clears throat> as we are being led by God, there's a new direction. God's going to tell us to go a new direction a lot of times, and we just have to submit, you know. And this comes through intimacy with the Father, okay? You cannot hear God's voice unless you're intimate with Him. You have to be intimate and you have to quiet yourself. I use this illustration quite a bit, but if we got real quiet, you can hear the freezer humming in the background. The reason why is because you're paying attention. You got quiet. You can hear the tick of the clock. You know what I'm saying? 
So when we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. Elijah's, Elijah's experience was that he would got in the cleft of the mountain, and then he heard a still, small voice. And so it's the same with us. It's not a, this booming voice that comes. Occasionally I've heard about that, but it's very rare, you know, because God is looking for those who are hungry with their spirit, those who are thirsty, you know. Blessed are those who are thirsty for hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, you know. If you can't still yourself, quiet yourself to hear his voice, you won't hear it, you know. Because the, the the white noise in this air in the in the room is too loud, you know. We've got to be able to quiet ourselves. When we quiet ourselves, we can hear his voice. Okay, it's good stuff. Um, and usually there's peace involved, not stress. If we're all anxious, there's two reasons that you're anxious. Either it's not from God, or you're resisting the will of God in your life. But you're not going to be anxious in hearing it. You're going to be anxious in resisting it. Make sense? If you heard it and you resist it, you'll be anxious. Make sense? Or if you're resisting, if you're, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, then you'll be anxious. Okay? Why? Because you're fearing for yourself instead of trusting. But, anyway, make sense? I hope this helped with hearing the Lord and being led by Him. And, uh, it's good stuff. Let's not be bystanders, man. Let's get it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion Ministry Podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignedministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God. 